Welcome back to Meet You at the Bottom, a conversation podcast where we get to the bottom of topics at the top of mind with the drink in hand, of course. I'm your host, Abhinav Brahmabdam. Thank you as always for tuning in. In today's episode, I was joined by my coworkers, Andrew Carlson and Samir Datla, as we discuss one of the most debated questions of mankind. Are humans inherently good or evil? Yes, I know that it could be a bit ironic for three folks in corporate finance who know nothing about sociology or even philosophy to discuss this topic, but the conversation was nonetheless very engaging and thought-provoking. As you can expect, we didn't arrive at an answer, and the discussion was circular in nature. And it even led to more questions like, are humans better off today than they were in the past? Does it even matter if humans are good or evil? And what truly are the objectives of society? I tried my best to get into the philosopher mindset by throwing on my card again and enjoying a glass of Basil Hayden, which went down very smooth, by the way. So I suggest doing the same. Grab your nicest cocktail or glass of wine or beer if you're in for that and kick back to listen to our attempt at a thoughtful discussion as we try to answer, are humans inherently good or evil? And we're back at Meet You at the Bottom to try and solve one of the longest running debates in mankind, and that is, are humans inherently good or evil? And typically for a conversation of this sort, you'd want to hear probably from a philosopher or a psychologist or a sociologist, Uh, but we're going in a different direction today, as I'm joined by uh, Andrew Carlson and Samir Datla, who are investment bankers here in Chicago. Uh, there's nothing like the three of us sitting, <laughs> sitting around with drinks in our hands, trying to solve the world, world's problems. And, and I'm sure we can come up with some funny, yet probably truthful, elitist references of us trying to figure out philosophy and if humans are, are good or evil. But, but I really appreciate you guys coming in. I think this will be a great conversation. And I know both of you guys well, and, and including myself, we all shoot from the hip. And you both are much more eloquent than I am. I just shoot from the hip and are a little bit rugged. So this should be a fun, fun talk. Um, but anyways, I appreciate you guys joining. Uh, how are you guys doing? And uh, more importantly, what are you drinking? Doing pretty well, Abby. This is Andrew. I'm drinking um, Two Brothers, Domain to Page. I'm from Wheaton, Illinois. So I figured it made sense to represent the Dirty 630 um, on the pod. Love it. Love it. That's uh, that's a natural transition to the other thirty six thirty, a member of the of the pod, Samir Datla. Yeah, that's right. It's good to be here. Um, it's crazy. We've four and a half years almost seeing each other every day, and now we see each other once every six months since COVID. But no, drinking a Sapporo premium beer here. Want to get back to the traveling days where we can get out of our houses and get out and about. So glad to be here with you guys and let's get into it. Uh, it's funny you have a Wheaton beer for a place that, you know, up until a few years ago, didn't serve alcohol on the Sunday. So a little suspect in my opinion. Um, and then last but not least, we're recording this on February 2nd, which is Groundhog Day. So happy Groundhog Day, everyone. Shout out to my guy, Huxatani Phil, who unfortunately predicted six more weeks of winter. But the true hero of the day is Woodstock Willie, who's Illinois and my true groundhog. Uh, from the movie Groundhog Day and Bill Murray. He, he predicted an early spring. Um, so enough of the chit-chat and, and delving really into this topic. Um, I first want to just open with the definitions 
of, of my question. So, you know, are humans inherently good or evil? So the definition of good from Oxford, that which is morally right, righteousness, definition of evil, profoundly immoral and wicked. And then I also think it's important to define inherently here too. Um, and according to the dictionary, it means in a permanent, essential, or characteristic way. Um, so obviously each of these words in itself have, you know, our own bias and what we think and our own personal definition. So it'll be interesting as we talk about, talk about this, um, you know, putting that into perspective here. So uh, why don't we start with the good old Andrew Carlson. You'll probably hear him as Andrew or Carlson throughout this, depending on uh, what he says. So uh, are humans inherently good or evil? Are humans inherently good or evil? That's a really good question, Abby. I think I'd start by, you know, as, as Abby alluded to, um, Wheaton, Illinois, it's a pretty laid back town. I, I'd say it's kind of like the town from Footloose um, where dancing was banned and, you know, <laughs> a lot of kids were just trying to have fun while their parents weren't letting them. Um, so that really shaded my view of uh, good and evil growing up. But um, to answer your question, Abby, I, I think we, we, this kind of came out of a discussion we had like a couple weeks ago where we were discussing this and, and talking about where we kind of fell on the issue. And I, I have to say, I, I've moved a little bit. I, I won't move entirely to your side, but I, I think humans are inherently nothing. And, you know, I think we'll probably get later in the pod onto like nature versus nurture, but I think, you know, good and evil are entirely culturally dependent and, and, you know, family dependent and, um, you know, sort of how you're raised and, and how your, um, you know, intentions and desires are um, sort of cultivated, um, which is very rich coming from a Wheaton, Illinois kid. So I'll, I'll represent, represent that, but I'll argue that, you know, humans are inherently um, like a blank slate or tabula rasa. And then, um, you know, tend to one side or the other with, you know, I, I think the record of history lays a pretty negative perspective on, you know, what, whether humans are actually that good, but. Yeah, no, that, that's helpful. And, and you said a few things that um, we'll have to unpack and, and that I wrote down, but quickly uh, want to shift to Samir first and, and kind of take, take uh, his opinion on this. Yeah, no, I mean, this is obviously a question where depends is going to be the right answer. So we can kind of shoot from the hip and, and see what's most provocative. Um, but no, ultimately, I think that's right. Because with the definitions, right, there's morally right and profoundly immoral. So in the definition of good or evil. So I think that that'll kind of lead us to, it's hard to say if humans are inherently good or evil. I think inherently they're moral, um, kind of from different things that I've seen and read. So I think that'll ultimately be the the quote unquote answer, if that's what we're trying to find. And, and kind of what, what Andrew was saying, right, with morals, they're influenced from everything from politics, religion, family, institutions, and, and whatever else that kind of influences us growing up. So again, tough question, no right answer. So I think that's where we can all be um, kind of as thoughtful as possible and see what kind of comes out of this conversation. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and dare I, I mean, I'm an optimist at heart, but I kind of think humans are, you know, born good to start. I think they're born. Yes, I, I agree with you, Samir, that they're born. There are moral is, is the word you use. They're moral. Uh, but I think that's, you know, good. You're, you're morally right. You're, you're, you're thinking about the right things 
And I think that shows in innocence of babies and, you know, they don't see bad and wrong or right and wrong. They can, they're just like good and, and able to just. I guess, do they know what's right and wrong? Cause you, I mean, when you're a baby, right, you're not going through this convoluted thought process thinking about when you're going to poop or pee or cry or anything like that. I feel it's more instinctual at that point. Yeah. But, but I, I think they do. I think, I think they, tend babies and humans as we're born we're born with this innocence and this good feeling like there was this big Yale study that that was carried out with babies where um from what I remember it it was like puppets uh, but shapes so like three shapes like one shape was climbing up a hill one shape was pulling or one shape was hindering that that shape from climbing and one shape was helping and the babies you know tended towards if they had to pick one of the shapes tended towards the one that was helping versus the one that was hindering and so it just kind of shows it's weird, but it shows like, um, you know, I think the motivations are you, you rather, you know, you you tend towards someone that's doing good uh, versus evil, quote unquote, or something negative. And, and as you grow older and, and societal factors, kind of like what you and, and Andrew talked about impact and, and take away, chip away from that. Um, and we don't have to, this is too early to delve into Thomas Hobbes or Rousseau, but we'll get there eventually. But as Hobbes says, humans are nasty and brutish. I don't think humans are, are like that, though. I think they they become that through their interactions and what's cultivated. Abby, with the, the study reference of, of the babies, do you think they were just mimicking what they saw their parents do or, or what they saw in their households in some sort of, like, you know, I, I don't know what the right word is, like very yeah. brute kind of way, or were they um, like innately tending to that? Because I, I would agree. I think, you know, one of the things I thought about when I was thinking about that question was, you know, when you look across dif different civilizations, mm -hmm. you tend to see um, a little bit of plurality when it comes to morality. Obviously, it's going to, you know, differ in, in varying ways from more major to to I guess more more minor, but um, typically there's sort of a base set of morals or a base common sense that um, would seem to argue that um, you know good is more innate. But the the counter argument to that would be, um, I guess, that it all arises from you know primordial civil civilization, or that was you know kind of the best form of. Um, like human civilization was to cooperate. So it's almost like a survivorship bias kind of thing, not necessarily that um, humans are innately good or, or evil. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, another um, to name drop Harvard and Yale study that I saw, this was a while ago, 2012, I think they're kind of, because good and evil, right? It, it can depend. But if you kind of try to simplify it a little bit where good is cooperation and evil is selfishness, mm -hmm. and then kind of, giving people certain situations and seeing how they react to that, I think is an interesting way to look at. And what this study found was they kind of bifurcated between instinctive or kind of quick responses and more kind of reflective, slower responses. And I think more often than not, they found that whatever situation they set up, and I think they did it across a couple of different scenarios, the kind of instinctive response was to, was to be one of more of cooperation which is kind of for like community welfare and the public good type of thing. And whereas kind of slower, more reflective decisions were associated with higher levels of selfishness. So that's where maybe we start thinking about all the stuff that could impact us, kind of weigh the pros and cons, is it worth the risk, is it worth the reward? 
and then you kind of get some of that selfishness from there. So, no, I think to, to your example, happiness is, is kind of personal, right? But if we kind of broaden a little bit to thinking about cooperation and selfishness and, and seeing how people react to certain situations. Um, and this study found that more often than not, the instinctive re response was to kind of cooperate and help the public good. So again, it, it, you, you always have like these depends and kind of framing and stuff like that. So if we, if we try to view human nature as what's kind of our instinctive response in, in different scenarios, that's, that's one of typically cooperation, which, which is a good thing, right? That kind of points to the fact that maybe in, instinctively or inherently we're more good than evil. Question for you guys that I thought about too um, in this whole like topic area was whether uh, good intentions made a good person or whether good actions made a good person or there was some sort of equation um, that determined whether a person was good or not. Um, what, whether that's actually the question today, I'm not really sure. I guess it's, it's up for, for debate. Um, but that was just one of the things I um, thought about during this. So, you know, happy to have you guys respond. And then, you know, we'll probably get into like later in the, the pod um, influences on like our beliefs. Um, and like one of the big influences on mine um, has been this philosopher, Rene Girard. Um, he's, you know, he's like, unfortunately, this is how I found out about him. But Peter Thiel, who's on in and out of the news for probably pretty bad things today, is a pretty big fan. Um, but long story short, Gerard <laughs> has, <laughs> I'm also Palatineer shareholder, so I probably should add that. Um, yeah, a, disc a disclaimer there. Yeah, in terms of the investment <laughs> disclaimer. But um, <laughs> uh, Gerard basically has this theory that um, humanity is built on, um, or civilization is built on this thing called mimetic desire, where um, we desire things because we see others desire things and our, our desires are kind of attuned by what we see others do. Um, and he go, goes on to nuance this in like a couple books I've read, like the scapegoat and I've seen, or I see Satan fall like lightning where he basically says there's always a need for um, some sort of sacrifice, usually human to bring society back together. And, you know, Gerard didn't really write about this cause he went to Stanford and their sports used to be pretty bad back then. Um, or taught at Stanford, but I, I always think of sports when I think of this, where it, it's easy for us in suburban homes that are relatively nonviolent and relatively peaceful, um, re relatively, don't want to speak for everyone, not to see this, but you come find me on a Saturday and Sunday, and I'll be my most tribal and most vicious and, you know, demanding the blood of Aaron Rodgers on the field. Um, and is fundamentally I'm a horrible person. I'm at my absolute worst um, until the, there's some sort of sacrifice, until there's some guy named Tom Brady to come knock out um, the great Satan of the NFL. Um, so I, I guess that's just one thing I, I thought about during this was whether cooperation is really influenced by this mimetic desire that I don't know if is whether fundamentally good or fundamentally evil, but it's, you know, I guess profitable for the human civilization to succeed. Yeah, but but you know, in that mimetic desire, you you create this natural rivalry, right? And like you're saying, someone needs to be the scapegoat, someone needs to take the blame or take the fall. Um, and then I wonder, kind of, you know, from what you said, like this rivalry, though, like are we meant to, are we meant as humans, you know, for rivalry, or are we meant for just living in our communities? Like think about back in the day you know, pre, 
pre-civilization almost like you just live with your tribes and you you work together and you cooperate and you collectively move forward you don't have this rivalry but when once things started to evolve this rivalry came about and and then i think people's morality changes and you're trying to find ways to one up each other and to to achieve that um success or imitate or copy that that um you know wealth or power um, of, of the people that you're looking for that you want, you have, you want to share those desires. Um, just a thought, but I, I should have prefaced at the beginning of this, like we're not coming to any solutions here. We're just discussing and gives us an excuse. I, I cracked open the Basil Hayden, uh, 10 year, 10 year age, baby gives us an excuse to just drink and, and talk. Uh, Samir, I know you were just about to say something. No, yeah, that's a good point. Andrew was kind of touching on, I think cooperation and selfishness, right? If we're kind of primed to be in environments where you're rewarded for that cooperation, then you obviously tend to towards that. So maybe even assigning that is good and versus selfishness is evil is, is hard, right? It, it all kind of depends on your situation. And I think that's another good point kind of with evolution and, and natural selection and all that. Um, and some of the stuff that I was reading, I think, I think with natural selection, there needs to be a part of you that's somewhat inherently selfish, right? Because it's, I think the general premise is you want to propagate your kind of species and, and genes and there needs to be some level of selfishness and self-interest to make that happen. So I think as long as we kind of recognize that, um, that, that that's always there and we kind of understand our subconscious motives, then we can kind of help to form or hope to form some sort of moral outlook, right? And again, I think every civilization like you talked about is going to have a different moral outlook every religion, institution, and kind of political landscape will have different quote-unquote morals. Um, but hopefully there are some basic tenets of, of humanity or the good parts of humanity that we can all kind of agree to across all these multidisciplinary and fields and whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Interesting topic to, uh, to discuss, and I think the more drinks, the, the better the discussion. Yeah, and uh, as, as I just take a drink, um, the the whole back to Carlson's thing, and this is interesting, Carlson. I didn't think about this. Um, obviously, it's not in the outline, so we're, we're just here conversing. It's not surprise. I work with you, Avi. Remember that. That's true. That is very true. Um, the, the whole like concept of imitating, though, in this in Rene Girard's theory, like I remember reading something about Plato's take on this or Aristotle, I forget. I mean, mentor, mentee, it's, it's harder. One, one was an idealist and one, one was less of an idealist, I guess. Um, but it was like, you're, you're representing something you've seen versus like, you're just sheer imitating or copying it. And, and it's like, not to take this into a religious, um, twist, but I'm curious what you guys think of this comment. And that there's a lot of like people that go into priesthood or, or the nunneries, like that they, they want to give away, get away from this wealth, power, desire that's driving all of us as humans. But it feels like even by saying you're giving up that you're you're just you're trying to follow a path that someone else has already laid out eventually they they also have power over people at some point like every it's it's like everything even something as like innocent as religion it has has a power dynamic where where you kind of question people's intentions maybe that's like a pessimistic view and maybe you guys are turning me into this i don't know no i I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, I think, um, so I should preface is, you know, it's no make jokes about me being from Wheaton, of course, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian as well. Um, and that certainly 
colors and, and defines my my worldview to a certain extent. Um, and Gerard actually talked about this too with, um, you know, he, he basically called Jesus the ultimate scapegoat where, you know, basically you assumed, um, or it was assumed within civilization that the, the scapegoat was always guilty, but Jesus being the perfect man was innocent. So it kind of reversed the, the bloodlust, but also with your mimicry point to, um, you know, in Genesis, it talks about how we're made in the image of God. And that's mm -hmm. effectively what we're replicating, but because of, you know, original sin or because of some separation from God, which, you know, I, I call evil that that's how evil befell the world. Um, but that, that kind of, I guess, defines how, how I tend to think about things. Um, but um, I, I, th I think, you know, one thing within that, um, or one thing I also found helpful um, in defining good, or maybe that, you know, it's, it can be broadly agreed on to, to what you were talking about with power dynamics is Micah 6, 8. Um, um, Micah basically says, um, or is saying, what has God commanded to you, but to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with your Lord. And I think the humble or the humility point is mostly important because it's become kind of out of favor in our civilization um, to regard anything as submissive or submit to any power, whether it's God or whether um, I know you want to discuss the social contract later, but just we, we could talk about it now. Yeah, like Bring just it up. submit to a sovereign or submit to a society. I think, you know, in American virtue today, individualism is really prized. But um, what you were mentioning earlier with like the monastic life, you're submitting yourself to God. And I think. I think many in in the past and, and today would argue that's that in itself is is a good. Um, or if you were taking a more secular view, maybe submitting to a society, submitting to cooperation, and being selfless is a good in itself. Just another thing um, to to add, kind of to the, the coloring of good or evil. Yeah, and I think a takeaway from what you said too. I think it all requires effort, right? Um, you know, you can be inherently good, as I believe. Um, but if you don't have, if you don't show the effort, or if you don't maintain it, you can get corrupted pretty easily. Um, and you can turn into something you're not. And I think the discussion of, you know, how humans evolve over time, and not like over time, like um, civilizations, like evolution, like how me, you and Samir have evolved from age zero to, to I'm 26. And, and Samir is too, like how we've evolved and what has shaped our views. Um, I think that's, that's important to, to think about and talk about too, because, you know, I could have be, I could have been a very, very good person 15 years ago. And, you know, now there's things that are negative or not necessarily evil, but could be evil or could be viewed as evil because everyone has a subjective take on it. Just food for thought there. And the development happens at different ages too. Like it could happen at a toddler when you're taught, what moralities or young like or in yeah toddler like kindergarten to k through five like that's where you're taught what what's moral what's right or wrong right but that definition of right and wrong changes too yeah i think inherent right so inherent like you said existing in something as a permanent essential or characteristic attribute mm -hmm. that's, that's different than innate right innate is something that you're born with um so I think when we think of inherent, we always revert back to like, oh, when you're a baby, are you good or evil? 
I think most people will say good for whatever reason, right? Because you're a baby. Um, but if inherent's like a cumulative kind of constantly evolving and evaluating thing, um, I don't know if it, it, if it's something that it's like the last activity you did determines if you're good or bad, or if it's like the grand scheme of things and who's kind of waiting different actions and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously a, an interesting question and inherent, um, but I think if you look at the characteristic attribute, right, if you kind of look at someone's life, I think you should be able to get a, a good sense of it. Someone like Bill Gates, I think we would all agree with now is, is a good person, right, given all he does with the... We can't agree to anything in this world right now. Yeah, and I don't, think, I don't think people would agree with you. That's fair. Maybe from uh, my perspective, I view Bill Gates as a, a good person in, in terms of the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, all he's doing for mm-hmm. underserved countries and vaccines and all that kind of stuff. But if you look back to the Microsoft heydays, right, he was kind of anti-competitive, had to do things that put other companies out of business and, and things like that. So then maybe was he not, was he an evil person then, but then he turned into someone good. And I'm sure there's similar examples where someone started off with and again, back to what Andrew was saying, like good intentions and good actions, but that kind of maybe morphed into what other people might view as bad or evil. So it's it's an interesting spectrum. And uh, depending on kind of time frame, you're judging people and their actions and, and trying to assign these labels, I think, um, again, it's really up to everyone's determination. I think it comes down to one thing. It's humans are instinctively nice people or humans are naturally like not nice, like wicked as, as, as what Thomas Hobbes uh, pens them as. And Rousseau is like, they're just, they're inherently nice people. And I think like humans are like, when you make a decision, you're instinctively nice and humanity is that way, but things could shift and you could become, an, you could become evil based off of, you know, how society or people around you have impacted you. Um, that's my take on, on that. Maybe I'm completely wrong, and maybe that's a more of an idealistic take. Yeah, I guess no. I I, I think that makes that makes sense. Um, and I I think you guys are are like spot on, or like you guys have really got me thinking about like innate versus inherent, and, and what like inherent means. Um, I guess one thing I I'd pose to you guys is, you know, if if something's inherent to um, a person, like if you were to go back and reflect on Bill Gates's life, um, you know, in, I, I don't know, 2070 or, or whatever, whenever, like, would you say it was like inherent in his situation to, um, to be a good person, you know, born with his intellect, born in an environment where he grew up with access to computers at the local library and you know, was able to afford to go to Harvard and to meet like Paul Allen and Balmer and those guys, like, um, do you think that was like inherent in his situation or was he and himself like born a good person and just by the situation was, um, you know, enabled to it? I, I don't know if that's making sense or not, but like one kind of thing I was thinking about thinking through all of this was like, you know, like it's so hard to judge whether, other people are good or not when we've only lived one life through one lens. Like I, I can't speak to what it's like to grow up on the other side of the world, just because I haven't met enough people or, or actually lived that through my lens and, you know, live that through all my, uh, my grumpiness today, or, you know, my, 
my penchant for bad words about Aaron Rodgers. Like it, <laughs> there's like, there's a, there, there's a, like a fundamental, like, I guess, challenge. What parent is it situational or is it like a person's soul or is it, I, I don't know. Hey, I, I don't know how you guys would digest that. No, I, I just have one, one thought on the um, Bill Gates comment. I think Bill Gates instinctively born with this intellect, he wanted to do good and provide a value but where, where he deviated, especially when he was like shutting other comp- like similar companies out of, t- out of business and like being super competitive and like uh, he was anti other competition, like monopolistic almost, actually not almost, he was at that time, especially back in the day. I think that's, that's like him, him, maybe it is this, um, what, what is this? The imitation of desires, the mimetic, whatever you said, like maybe I'm like latched onto that. Maybe it was that, but I think society, you know, put up like this is what you need to be to be successful that's and, capitalism like, right i mean right i don't know if you've seen the movie pirates of silicon valley it's like an old campy tv movie but i i think it's um uh actually bill gates and it says to um steve jobs the like infamous like picasso co- quote about like good artists copy great artists steal um so it's interesting that like it, not to pump Gerard, but like we're all talking about this copying effect or this stealing effect or this like interaction with others. Um, Samir, to your point about how humans are intuitively driven to cooperate. Like I I think there's, that's the the key element of whether something's good or evil or like like it's this fine balance between uh, cooperation and theft or cooperation for the sake of selfish interest i i don't know yeah yeah and then when you bring in capitalism right that adds a whole nother layer into it and you kind of think about i think part of what drove, drove this topic was just the gamestop craziness from last week it's the kind of the hedge funds versus gamestop and obviously hedge funds are taking advantage of capitalism and, and doing this and that and and then we got the the wall street bets and the retail traders kind of rising up and there's this big kind of battle and it's, I don't know, it's crazy. Once the ones, the people in power, when the people in power do what they're doing, no one kind of complains about it, but when it kind of turns against them, it's kind of that Joker meme where when everything was going according to plan, no one seemed to panic. Um, and it was just crazy to see kind of everything that went down yesterday or last week, sorry. And not surprisingly, the the institutions and the the people in power seemingly have won. Although I think, the, the Wall Street bets and Reddit traders and, and everyone else wants to see GameStop continue its run to the moon. Um, but no, I think once you kind of layer capitalism and all that kind of stuff in it, it adds another layer to, to think about. And again, I guess at the end of the day, like, what, what, does it matter? Like, does it matter if people are inherently good or bad? I feel like that's okay. That's kind of a point in time, but we should be more thinking about how that dictates or kind of motivates us to do what we do in the future, right? Like, yes, yeah, so to say you're a bad person in the past, that's fine. I think as long as you realize that, as long as you can adapt and move forward, isn't that more what we should thinking about rather than always thinking about, oh, how do our babies good or bad or are people good or bad? Um, curious what you guys think about how we take what we know and what we feel and what we think and translate to doing something different or the same in the future. Yeah, that, that's fair. I think, you know, what you just said, like, it's like the sunk cost fallacy, right? It's like, why do we care so much about past performance when it doesn't matter for, for the future? 
right? But like, I guess one thing I'd like, like ask you and ask Avi too is like, with um, like, what, what difference does it make in, in Avi's favorite uh, politician's infamous words, Hillary Clinton um, after Benghazi? Um, <laughs> for, the, for the listeners, not my favorite politician at all whatsoever. Uh, you deserve to lose. You don't go to Wisconsin, you don't deserve to win. <laughs> and Benghazi, and Benghazi, she made Susan Rice take the fall initially oh, on the sun, which, which I have no respect for. I mean, come on. The Susan Rice apologist back at it. I, I get it. But on, on that kind of topic, actually on like the political topic, like what are the objectives of society? Are it, is it to like be a good society or to like foster some um, like, or, or try to achieve some like good objective, or is it just to foster a society where like people have a choice between good or evil, or you know, there's some sort of balance? Like, how would how would you think about that? Yeah, I think that's where things like capitalism and religion and institutions and politics come into play, right? Because you can't just have. I just take the U.S. as an example. Um, you can't just have 350 million people kind of choosing between right and wrong on a daily basis because that'll inevitably lead to who knows what maybe it'll be a better world I don't I don't I think we decided a long time ago that wasn't the route we were going to take as as human beings Um, so it's easy to kind of go in a circular way that okay humans are born good but the institutions and capitalism and religion corrupts them and then they do bad things and then if we should get rid of all those things but then we'll kind of be living as everyone for themselves types of thing, which will probably inevitably lead into some of the same selfishness and natural selection type stuff. So no, I think we got to live with what we have in the, in the environment that we're in. Um, and obviously it's hard to take capitalism and completely throw it out the window. Um, but yeah, no, it's a tough question. I think institutions need to be more transparent, whether it's political institutions, financial institutions, whatever else. And I think try to work together, right? It's, it's not easy. And it's, it's, I think we played, we face the same situation on a daily basis, right? It's okay. If I do this thing, it might not be best for everyone else, but it'll make me happy and I'll, I'll change the next time. And the next time is the same as this time. And it kind of keeps going on in circular fashion. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, I don't know. I'm talking in circles right now. I'm confusing myself, but it's <laughs> definitely an interesting thing. And I think getting, getting a bigger and broader understanding and kind of some common moral outlooks and stuff like that, I think will help to at least kind of put you in the right path, whether you follow that path or not. Um, but it's not, it's not easy to live in this. Day and yeah. Time. I mean, yeah. Looking at it from the macro perspective is the, the hardest possible thing. Like has capitalism and all of this, like even going back to like the 1800 industrial revolution and moving forward to now, like has it created this world where we just like continue to fucking endlessly, like we're, we're competing with each other. We're, you know, wanting wealth powered, um, I forgot the last one, desire, wealth, power, prestige, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and is that what's going on? Or is it in a weird, kind of a sim- more simpler, yet backwards way of just like, found an, uh, a way society can operate? Um, and like, you're not like, you're not seeing world wars every other day. You're seeing a bunch of like, threats, and you're seeing a bunch of like, behind the scenes activity. And one-off stuff, but you're not seeing the massive uh, destruction that we even saw 50 years ago. Um, 
and even in, even in like Vietnam or Korea, like you're not seeing that. And maybe it will come up. I don't know, but but I think to Samir's last point, Carlson, go ahead. I see you're you're just like just there, ready to, ready to rumble. And and this is where I, I I guess I really struggle, Abby. Like I think the phrase that's always um, stuck out with me is Hannah Arendt's like banality of evil, where she was talking about Eichmann on trial in Jerusalem, and he was basically regurgitating saying like Kantian ethic, like just doing my job, like just being a consummate professional. Um, and I, I think I mentioned to you like a couple of weeks ago, I was reading a book about like the philosophy of drone strikes. And, and that's one yeah. thing that strikes me is it's banal. You know, you have people in Nevada that um, hopefully no pod listeners. I, I don't mean to be offensive. Dude, we're, we're everywhere across no, the US. We're in like 14 different countries. You're going like, to uh, offend someone. It's okay. No, I know. But it's like, you know, yeah, we don't see the destruction of 1945 there isn't like a Hiroshima or Nagasaki like every other day like thank thank God but like you know there's children in Yemen that go to sleep um because of Saudi bomb or like go to sleep listening to Saudi bombs that are funded by U.S. policies um and, and you know U.S. defense contractors there's drones that basically have the decision like making capacity over like a person's life or death, you know, and and whether that, um, you know, a person of interest is spotted next to a child or or next to, um, you know, maybe another person of interest, that's, that's up to their decision. So it's just made, you know, murder effectively a video game. And, you know, I I, I think it's hard to argue that our society is inherently more moral today, because it um, doesn't have these mass killings, um, when, we've effects, effectively turned um, a person's life or death into a video game with none of the, like, I I don't want to say dignity because, you know, killing is indignified, but none of the personal cost of. Um, right. You know, well, it's it's like humanity, we, we've, we've yeah. hunkered in. And it's like, and we, we deviate here on politics and stuff. And like this whole, like, even the America first thing. I mean, it's been, it's been, decades in the making of we've been retreating and, and retreating in a way of like yeah you have a really really high targeted asset you're not you're not going to see operations like about about anymore like when they got osama bin laden like because you don't want to risk american lives or other countries don't want to do that and yeah. and that's like humans inherently want to protect our own and which is rightfully so like i want to protect our american troops yeah. um but then the alternative is this video game type killing kind of shifting gears and we're not really shifting gears because it's all the same, but I do want to spend a little bit time on, on this nature versus nurture debate. And I mean, you know, nature, you know, meaning we're born with, you know, what, what our instincts are, what our behavior is is versus nurture. And and this is simplistic terms. I'm not a, I'm not a smart person. So I don't know the real terms. Uh, Nurture is just, you know, what, you know, we're molded into who we are based off of, culture, society, our parents, you know, everyone. Um, we don't have to get too into Sigmund Freud and the five stages of psychosexual development, if you remember our high school courses. But how, how does this whole conversation of humans inherently good or evil play into this factor, nature versus nurture? Yeah, no, I think, again, it depends on the scope and the time, right? Nature, is that more kind of thinking about the innate goodness or evilness in people then I think we'd all probably I don't know about all but we generally agree 
what you're born with, um, probably yes. I mean, I would think that as babies, we don't really, but I guess to your example, they they wanted to support the guy who was going up the hill or whatnot. So yeah, let's say for nature, we're, we're probably good. And then again, nurture, it's kind of all the same things we talked about, right? All things we grow up around, whether it's religion, politics, institutions, financial situation, capitalism, socialism, wherever you grow up, whatever your situation is. Um, but again, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer, which is part of the reason why it's so interesting to think about and so com complex, right? It's, I think depending on your situation, there can be good and bad things to do. Um, and Andrew made a good point. We only all live one life through one lens. So hopefully we kind of gather as many different kind of perspectives. And that's where all these philosophers and all these books and all these things come into play. I know someone told me is when someone writes a book, that's kind of their entire life summarized into however many pages, right? So the, the question with, with nature though, sometimes I think about is like, if you believe, you know, nature um, and natural selection and all of that is, is important. It's determined, you know, our functions inside, then it's also determined uh, how our brain operates and how our brain operates. Isn't that how, you know, some of our judging making decision-making operates as well, whether it's a good or bad decision, good or evil decision, right or wrong. And so then doesn't it tie back to, okay, nature is, is kind of who I am. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of the arguments for nature are often like shaded and really chauvinist like privileged positions where it's yeah I'm, you know traditionally like i'm successful because i'm naturally gifted um you know and that kind of reinforces itself when you're told you're special you you know believe you're special which you know self-confidence helps propel you further but you know what's interesting too what i was just thinking about is like um you know samir mentioned this was all spurred by the gamestop drama and um, the GameStop drama is like this live action reboot of Trading Places, you know, with, with what is it, Eddie Murphy and like Dan yeah. Aykroyd, um, which is the whole nature versus nurture debate, um, penny bet between like the two brothers. Like it, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I tend to lean more towards the nurture side, but it, it's just been really fascinating to hear from both of you guys. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's definitely something that's very prevalent in today's society. Um, despite, you know, people thinking, oh, philosophical debates have been put to bed and, um, you know, our, all the philosophy that has been said has kind of been said in the past, but, um, or at least those are some things I've heard parroted. Oh, really? So people, I, I guess. I don't know. I think there's a, it, it's tough. Um, like, well, one thing I'd um, like pose to you guys, um, thinking about this, and one thing I always think about is, like, and I, I studied like finance, um, obviously to get this job, but then I studied history because that's what I was actually interested in. Um, and, and one thing I always thought, thought about was like, are people better in the past or um, is that just some sort of like rose colored lens or I don't know what the phrase is, um, Abby, you're an idiom master, but um, <laughs> like, or, or is it like ro rose tinted glasses or, or whatever um, and just some sort of nostalgia or are people like, um, just the same throughout, or are we better today? Like, what what would you guys say to that? Because I, I think that helps at least like shade this debate, right? Because it's like you have like a bigger sample set, like the whole yeah. one life, one lens thing. Like, it helps you see that. Like, are you, do you think people are better today, or were they better in the past, or are they really no different in terms of good or evil? 
since that's how we approached it. Hmm. All yours, Avi? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm a little stumped. Are people better today uh, or in the past in terms of good for evil? And, and it's hard to like the thing that instantly came to my mind is like you learn from your past and you try and you don't repeat the mistakes and you, and you work your mm-hmm. work your way. I think people and based off of that, I think people today are better than the past. I think people learn from mistakes, whether they're alive or they learn from other people's mistakes that they've read about. It could be as micro as you know, um, a teacher, a fifth grade teacher who's teaching the same subject year over year and improving upon the, the previous year. So they are better today than they were previously. I don't know why we do this, but we compare ourselves or and think back to these like amazing historic figures, which there are, but equally for every single the person that's like great and like you have these glossy eyed and you're talking about them, there's also folks that are equally bad. And I think either humans now are are better or humans are just the same and we're just still trying to figure it out and i'm more in line to say we're just the same we're just and, and we are dealing with our own societal issues now versus what what it was in the past um i don't know that's that's my take though but the optimist in me, in me believes that we learn from what we read and we try we as in the same lifetime are better humans when we end the lifetime than before but the the two lifetimes from now comparing it to our generation like I don't know. I think they're just the same. Maybe I've changed my stance on this, but I think they're just the same. It's my take. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think you're right that we have all the same. We have their experiences to learn from. Um, but then again, some of the things that we're doing now as societies are not the best. And maybe that's because of whatever advanced technologies and capitalism or whatever it is. Um, but obviously you don't need to get political, but things like climate change right has, has gotten yeah. worse and whose fault it is and whose fault it's not and how do we solve it all that is it's going to be difficult to figure out but no I think um but again at the end of the day like why does it why does any of this matter like who cares if the people 50 years ago were better or worse than than us um if they were worse does that give us the right to be a little bit less worse or are we kind of push ourselves to be better as kind of this generation right so that that's that's what the future generations have to drive against and I think with all these like conversations and topics not even just pinpointing this one but anything we talk about nowadays it just feels like it's one side versus the other and there's no middle ground and there's no way to kind of reconcile and move forward so curious as we kind of have talked about this for a while now like how we use this and that and our thoughts on good and evil to actually change our behaviors going forward. You know, it's been really helpful to like hear from you guys and like, like see it through your lens. And it just makes me like more humble. And I think that's like one of the key words I think I mentioned earlier about like being a good person. I'm not a good person, but like, you know, like just embracing that humility, embracing that, um, you know, knowledge that there are others on this planet that have different perspectives is from you and different experiences that have um, like jaded them or, you know, given them a great perspective on life. And I I think that just leads to humility, which I think leads to probably better decision-making and, you know, and, you know, actually embracing good intentions by doing good works, which, you know, I I think is probably the the hallmark of a a good person. Yeah, I I completely agree. And and it's, um, the final bow on that is 
you know, I think of myself and my actions with everything, especially the last four years and with, you know, certain things that don't align with what I believe in. And like, sometimes I catch myself being rash in an argument or rash in a, in a group text and just start firing away messages. And it's like, you can't really do that. I shouldn't do that. It's exciting and fun, but like, I'm also not a hundred percent knowledge on the topic. I haven't read everything yet. If something instantly hits. Um, and so I think that's, you know, with this conversation is like, you can't just say someone is, is morally inept or wrong because they disagree with a certain stance. You got to like figure out where they're coming from and understanding it thoughtfully. And then, and then, um, you know, replying and, and on the counter though, you can't not have those conversations. You need, you need people pushing you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you can't just like continue and just like talk to yourself and, and your friends who share similar beliefs. I want to shift to resources that are available and, and like, just like, what would you recommend? And I think Carlson, you're a big reader and have an interest, I feel like, in stuff like this. But what would you recommend? Just like philosophers for people to look into books, movies. Um, you mentioned a movie earlier about Silicon Valley, which kind of talks about some of this stuff. But just a broad scope, like if someone wants like, I want to learn more, I want to formulate more of an opinion on, on this subject. Um, what are your yeah. thoughts? No, for, for sure. I mean, like, I, I mentioned Gerard earlier because I, I really like Gerard. Um, but you know, I, I think just one of like the hallmarks I think of like a good thinker. I'm not, I'm not a good thinker, but like of like good thinkers are are making connections and, and able to see things in other works of literature or other works of fiction or nonfiction that um, you know haven't been made before. So I I know for myself, like as soon as I started thinking about it that way and trying to read literature into everything or read. Um, you know, morality and, you know, other subjects and everything, I, I think that helps. So like, even like, I know I rewatched like the Lord of the Rings trilogy the other week, um, you know, and, and that was a great way to spend a, a drunken quarantine, but it yeah. also was a great way to, to think about morality and, you know, the power of um, like physical devices to uh, cause us to commit horrible abuses, um, you know, with with the phone, I think being an interesting allegory today to um, the ring, um, yeah. which I don't know, but I, I think just embracing any sort of work of fiction and, and trying to come at it from an honest perspective is, is, a, is a really good way. But in terms of like philosophers or resources, really like, really like Gerard, I think, um, you know, another guy that is maybe a little bit different to take, um, a, a lot more left of a thinker that recently passed away was Dave Graber. He wrote like debt the first 5,000 years, um, yep. a couple of works like bullshit jobs he wrote. Um, he, but he, he was a great thinker and like, you know, I, I might have different political takes than him, but he really helped me engage with um, like a lot of the issues I, I, I like to engage with and to think about things from um, like a different perspective and fundamental structure in societies that like I didn't see. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, those are those are good suggestions. And and then I think the only thing I have um, book-wise that I really enjoyed in high school is Lord of the Flies. Um, I feel like everyone should just read it. You know, uh, the book, um, you know, is advocating, actually really the author, William uh, Golding is his name, just advocating the, the fact that we need structure as humans and we need boundaries, we need rules. Um, you know, it's not political here, but you know, we need some government actions, government support for 
us to like maintain a semblance of society. That was my takeaway at least and a safe environment. Um, and, or you can be like that Island where the kids just go nuts and you revert back to your animal instincts when you don't, when you're stranded and have nothing there. It's, it's interesting. Um, interesting take. So, so as we, as we wrap up here, um, before we get into the concluding questions that I like to ask everyone, um, I'll have to ask you, so are we inherently good or evil? If you had a pick gone to your head, I'm okay. Your, your optimism's rubbed off on me these last five years. That's surprising. Yeah, I would say five years ago it would have been evil. <laughs> now you, you have changed. You're, you are an optimist. I am. Carlson? Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say neither, but like, you know, Abby, I'll, I'll side with you good and in, in hopes, you know, it comes, comes around during review season. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll make sure I give you a good review. Um, all right. So a little fun couple questions to wrap up. This has been an awesome, engaging conversation. If no one listens to this, at least I've taken away some stuff. So this has been fun. And this Basil Hayden's pretty good to go down. So I'll, I'll get a little, little tipsy before uh, watching this Illini game. Um, who's everyone's favorite philosopher and why? Let's start with Samir. I'm not a big reader, unfortunately, but um... – I'll go with uh, Henry David Thoreau. I love the, the three names. And I think um, my Wikipedia ending of his big work seemed interesting with the combination of living a simple life in nature and, um, and also trying to have a, a good and better government somehow or the other. Love that. Carlson? I mean, if I'm not allowed to say Joe Rogan or Rene Girard, I'd probably say, um, j- just by the way, I'm not a Joe Rogan fan, so, so don't worry. Um, but like, I like I'd probably Rogan. say, like, not really a philosopher, but I really like, like Albert or Albert Camus. Like, I, I think he's been a really like fascinating author to read and just the, the human perspective because his, his writing similar to Hemingway's, um, especially since it's translated in English from French, like it's, it's pretty bland, but his characters are still really impactful. So I've just found his helpful to, to think about different issues and uh, um, think about different sp- situations, especially like I, I really enjoy the environments he writes in, in in France and Algeria. So nice, nice. Haven't been to Algeria yet. Um, you know, for me, I got I had to go Indian. Um, so obviously, but Adi uh, Shankaracharya, probably like he's old school, like 700 common era, 700 AD, uh, for the non-Gen Zers listening, um, doc, his you know his doctrine is pretty much the basis for a lot of the modern day Hindu school Hindu Hinduism school of thought. Um, so I figured might as well give him a shout out if anyone's interested. Um, and then last but not least, okay. bold predictions for the next twelve to eighteen months, not related to this uh, topic at all. Carlson, I'll say it's uh, slightly related, but not. Um, like inadvertently it is something I was thinking about earlier um, with uh, Dave Graber I think in the next 12 to 18 months there'll be some form of like debt jubilee um, beyond just student loans I, I think student loan um, like jubilee is coming but in history you've seen these these great debt jubilees like it's it's in the bible it's in all civilizations and uh, when you have this mass of people that are um, severely in debt to like a corporate elite, I think 
you, you'll see that. Um, and we've already kind of seen that with, or like a blunt effect with that, uh, with like the printing of money and, um, you know, kind of the um, effects, checks. but it's effectively bailed out the elite. So I think the general populace and the emerging markets will um, find some sort of effect of their, their debt being wiped away um, within the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, a layman's term word for Jubilee is debt forgiveness. Uh, <laughs> for not, common, common not people. With layman's, but layman's. Yeah, I yeah. the context clues there. <laughs> uh, Samir. Yeah, this was a good one. Um, no, other than I think going back to the GameStop thing, hopefully that'll be at the moon, as they say, in the next 12 to 18 months. But other than that, no, I think a little negative maybe this is the the pessimist in me that obby still hasn't overtaken yet but i think we'll still need to be wearing masks and, and adhering to a lot of the social distancing guidelines and stuff for for a while going forward especially if these these crazy variants keep uh, keep popping up so hopefully we'll get through it and can live a somewhat normal life with the only exception being mass but we'll uh, we'll see where we end up in the next couple months yeah yeah i definitely think this variant um is a lot more deadly than people are giving it credit for. Um, so something to be on the lookout for. Uh, similar, similar in tune, but on the optimistic side, extreme optimistic side. So I'm a 26-year-old working in finance, and I've turned 27 March 31st. I firmly believe I will be vaccinated around that, around that time period. I think this deployment is just going to go skyrocketing. I mean, they're shipping them directly to pharmacies now. I think and, you can sign up, can't you? I think anyone can sign up now. Like Chicago residents can sign up. Yeah, yeah. People, people can sign up, but we're we're a little bit down on the list. Like phase Are you two, talking um, second dose or first dose? Oh, probably to be to be conservative in my estimate, first dose. First dose yeah. Um, but I but on a separate on a separate note that I just thought about this, similarly uh, to vaccines, I think we'll have to have a different vaccine for this, like the South African variant and some of these other variants that'll come. It'll be quicker to develop. I think science has proven itself here, but, but I think that's, we're going to have to have another shot by the end of the year. I mean, these variants are pretty deadly. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to end on something negative, but I appreciate you guys coming, coming in. This has been an awesome conversation. Carlson awesome. is going to get student loans were going to get forgiven and then you said everyone was going to die from south african coronavirus so i don't know who's the optimist but i no no we'll be fine we'll we just have to wear masks i kind of agree with samir we'll wear masks throughout the year but i just i just want to say tell people the variant is more deadly than people think i think there's fatigue of coronavirus sure there's fatigue of covid19 but they're not fatigued of some of these variants because it hasn't started yet <laughs> yeah but we'll be good uh, but anyway, Andrew, Samir, really appreciate you guys coming onto the pod. Uh, this has been fun. I know we had we had an earlier episode planned on uh, stay-at-home orders that was gonna, probably going to be a little bit more controversial that we ended up scrapping. But uh, appreciate uh, you guys coming on. Yeah, man, this is fun. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Abby. Yeah, and thanks to everyone for listening. And until next week, meet you at the bottom.